Chapter 18, The Perfect Sales Process. In this chapter, I want to briefly introduce you to what successful, the perfect, the ideal sales process would look like. First, the perfect sales process would have to satisfy all parties involved. Everyone would have to be a winner. And it would also, the perfect sales process would also have to increase the effectiveness of the user. Now, this is, this is a big problem because most people that create sales processes are not satisfying the key people and they're not doing it in the correct order. For 50 years, for at least the last 50 years, I, you know, I, I know for sure there's been almost nothing changed about how people sell things and approach the marketplace. Most of the information is dated with encouragement to control. Who wants to be controlled, dude? Nobody wants to be controlled. You try to control me when you sell something. You will never sell me something by trying to control me. Most of the information about selling from my buddies like Brian Tracy, all the respect in the world, Tom Hopkins, a little less, but still a lot of respect, okay? All the guys, all the way back to Ogman Dino, who wrote The Greatest Salesman in the World, Dale Carnegie's, no respect at all. Just garbage. There's nothing there, man. And look, I, I went to one of the Dale Carnegie, there's just nothing there, okay? And, and, and anything that is there, it's a bit of a manipulation. Find out what Robert's personality is, match his personality, and then Robert will buy from you. Dude, I, I don't want to be 17 different personalities. I'm not a chameleon. I am a human being with my personality. I don't want to trick people. I don't want to manipulate. This is what I talked about in the 90-day phenomenon. These old schools of selling basically ask you to do stuff like neuro-linguistic programming. It's garbage. La la land. It's crazy. It's whack. Okay, they look that way, you look that way, okay? What are you looking at? What are you thinking about? Are you kinesthetic? Are you, no, man, don't do that, okay? This is what's wrong with selling. This is why we have so much turnover in this business because you're asking people to do something with the goal to manipulate and or control. Most of the information is outdated with encouragement at control and spending long periods of time with the customer Oh, the longer you spend with them, the better off you are. What am I talking about right now? The perfect sales process. Oh, the longer we spend with them, the more obligated they become. Dude, that's not the world we live in today. People don't have long periods of time. The longer you spend with them, the less likely they are to buy from you and pay anything to you. Why do you think everybody's going to the net today to buy their, buy their goodies? Because they don't want to spend long periods of time. It's crazy. The perfect sales process must take care of the customer. The reality is that people have changed greatly over the last five years, much less the last 50 years. They probably changed more in the last five years than they changed in the previous 45 years before that. And that change will continue to happen. Wives are making more decisions. And what is bought? Couples aren't always husband and wife anymore. Could be Bob and Dick. Okay. Things are changing. You got a lot of single mothers buying things with two kids and no time. You got husband and wife both working today. Wasn't happening 50 years ago. You got margins being compressed so tight. You got people with no time. Cities getting so big that people are in traffic. You got people spending 11 hours on the internet before they get to the environment to look at the piece of real estate. I'm, I, I'm literally, I can Google satellite a property and see it from the inside, the outside, from every freaking view without ever driving on to the property and the sales process hasn't changed. It's crazy. It's whacked. The perfect sales process must incorporate change. It must satisfy all parties involved. It must increase the effectiveness or it's not perfect. Look, husbands and wives are most likely employed to get, you know, at the same time, two kids, people have less time. There's access to information everywhere. Some studies suggest entire generational changes whereby the buyer doesn't want to even engage a human being. I don't even want to talk to humans anymore. We see internet sales spiking and retail sales staying flat or going down. We have people actually shopping retail to make decisions online. It's crazy. A lot of change going on. You must change. The sales process must change. The perfect sales process would then have, have to be, it would have to be based on that data. It had to be fast and easy. That's why I like the internet, okay? If you start seeing that little wheel, you got tied up, can't get good access, you get frustrated, you lose interest. 
perfect sales process, the human being involved would have to be fast, have to be easy, have to be easy and effective for the buyer, easy and effective for the salesperson. It must provide credible information as easily as the buyer could access it himself. This is important information I'm giving you right here. This is the perfect sales process. Easy for the customer, easy for the salesperson. Provide credible information as easily as the buyer can access the same data. I'm telling you where where you'd have to get your data from to support you, third parties. It must treat the buyer as an informed, able buyer and knowing he has access to knowledge. And ultimately, it must satisfy the customer and the company by consummating a sale that is profitable. The perfect sales process would not give something away. The perfect sales process would actually satisfy the customer, satisfy the salesperson, satisfy the company, and we would make money. We wouldn't lose money. The first thing I would look into in your sales process is how to shorten it based on what we're talking about. Time is so critical to a buyer, particularly people that have money. I would first shorten it, figure out how could I shorten it and simplify it just because of the amount of sensitivity people have to time. Look, there's a bigger time shortage on this planet than there is money shortage. There's more time scarcity than there is money scarcity. And money scarcity is pretty big. Whether you're filling up your car, checking out a gym membership, shopping for an outfit, shopping for groceries, looking for a piece of technology, time is on your mind. How long will I be here? How long will it take? Am I going to get stuck with a person that I don't even like? Do I have to actually talk to a person? I don't want to spend any time with these people. Have you ever driven up to a car, uh, to, to a uh, shopping, uh, to a grocery store? Couldn't find a parking place and left? You ever been to a Taco Bell? Line was too long? Fast food ain't fast at Taco Bell. And what'd you do? You're hungry. You're starving. You need to eat. There's six or eight or nine cars in front of you. You're like, I'm leaving. I'm going to go get something else. Why? Because your, your attention was on time. The first thing you would have to change for the perfect sales process is time. you got to shorten your process up. The sales process, basically the sales process is finding out the following about the buyer. Who are you? What do you want? Why do you want it? What do I have that will fulfill what you want? How do I show it to you in a manner that you can make sense of it? How do I make an offer to you that can be funded by either you or others or a combination? And then how do I, the salesperson or company, close, deliver it, and follow up in the hopes that we can repeat the process? Now, anything you can get rid of out of that in order to speed up and simplify would be a good thing. What did I just tell you? The sales process is finding out the following about a buyer. This is very, very important. Who are you? What do you want? Why do you want it? What do I have to do to fulfill your wants or what product will fulfill your wants? How do I show it to you in a manner that you can make sense of? How do I make an offer that can be funded? How do I close it, deliver it, and follow up in hopes to repeat this process over and over again? How do I do that in the shortest period of time possible? In a manner that's so simple that anybody, including Grant, can learn it. The other thing thing is that the perfect sales process must be or should be, or it'd be nice if it could be, advertised to the public. See, most of the way people sell today, they would never advertise. I mean, come on. Would you really advertise neuro-linguistic programming? Yeah, come see us, man. We're going to step inside your mind and start playing games and we're going to find out whether you like to feel things or see things or hear things. And then we're going to do that. And we're going to change for every person you would never advertise that to people. Or how about the Dale Carnegie thing? You know, just become them. Really? We're not authentic here. We are whoever you are. Dude, spooky. Sounds spooky to me, bro. How about this? You're going to come here. Tell us what you want. We're going to see if we have a product that fits for you. We're going to give you a price on it. We're going to see if we can get you funded. And you make the decision, yay or nay. Yay or nay, Kanye, Kanye. Yay, yay, yay. 
See, see, the perfect sales process must be advertised, man. If you can't advertise it, there's something wrong with it. If you can't tell the public, this is what we're going to do when you get here, what the hell are you doing? If you can't advertise any part of your sales process, what are you thinking? See, see, if you can't advertise it, there's something not okay with it. There's something inherently wrong with anything you can't transparently present to the public. The transparency of your process is the vital litmus test for how much integrity your sales process has in it. This is the litmus test. This is the thing executives should look at. For instance, the old adage was control, deceive. Oh, I know you hate that word. I know you think, oh, no, Grant, you're being a little rough here. No, dude, look, come on, let's be real. The, the old adage was to deceive the client, to control the client. It was to withhold information until the vital time. This has happened across every business from cars. It's not, and not, and not just automobiles. Banks do it. I'm not going to tell you the loan. Mortgages do it. Can't tell you that yet. Depends on your credit. The old adage, whether we like it or not, and it's why so many people hate selling, not consumers. It's why sellers hate selling. It's why sellers aren't productive. Because nobody wants to control, nobody wants to deceive, nobody wants to withhold information except the criminal. I don't want a criminal. I want people that feel good about what they're doing, motivated, excited. They want to go tell more people about our product, more people about our price, more people about what we do. See, that's how you grow your business. The old adage was control, deceive, and withhold, all of which would fail this test. Can you advertise your sales process? If you're a salesperson and you're listening just to this section, make sure your management team gets it. Make sure executives, make sure the CEO gets this. This is vital data. This is where we can make our first big shift in your company to make them more effective by coming up with a sales process that fits everybody and that has integrity. Much of what, I've, much of what I have been taught over the past 25 or 30 years in sales, I would never, ever tell the customer, hey, by the way, this is what I'm getting ready to do to you, okay? I'm asking you how much money you have down so I can figure out what product is best to sell you so we can make the most money. That's what we're doing now. See, you can't tell them that. If you can't tell them that, dude, what do you do? You're going you're gonna to kind of contract and you're not going to tell, you're not going to actually be out there with the guy. No wonder you're an introvert. Hell, you're trying, to, you're trying to hide. See, if you can't tell the customer, something's wrong, right? This is why I believe there's a disdain for sales internally why salespeople themselves don't even like sales, why people don't even want to put sales on their business card. But it doesn't have to be like that. The best salespeople I know today, are, man, the most effective, productive salespeople I know, from the real estate business to medical to construction to loans to mortgages to automobile people to you name it, man, the most, the most effective. The investment brokers on Wall Street, I know guys selling software. I know guys selling uh, products online. Uh, the most productive are the straight shooters. They're straight shooters, man. The guys that last the longest and make the most, straight shooters. They don't play games. They tell it like it is. They know how to get the job done, and they do it, they do it all without manipulation. The best sales processes I know, and I've seen many, they're shorter. They're not longer. See, ideally, the salesperson is sensitive to the client's time. Ideally, you would be very sensitive to a customer's time. And the more money they have, the more sensitive you'd be to their time. The billionaire has less time than the millionaire. The millionaire has more time or less time than the person that has trouble getting financed, right? The salesperson, the sales process, and the sales organization should be sensitive to time, to the client's time, and to your own time. Willing to spend as much time as necessary but never interested in wasting time or taking too much time. The buyer should be able to get in and out as quickly as necessary, spend as little or as much time as necessary or as desired, whether it's a complex sale or a very simple one. No matter the price or the terms, there are some things you must do and some you cannot avoid, okay? There's some things you, you must do, some things you might want to do, and some things you can't avoid doing. But look, well, you got to get this thing simple, and you got to get it easy, and you got to get it duplicatable. To determine if your current sales process could be problematic for your clients, ask these three questions. 
Do you experience lower than average profits per transaction, maybe across your industry? Do you experience lower than average profits? Number two, is the length of time to contract the source of constant customer complaints? Man, you guys, what takes so long? Okay. And number three, are, are your customers resisting your process? Three questions, lower than expected or lower than average profits. Two, constant source of complaints. And number three, are your customers resisting the process? If those three questions are, yeah, we're having those problems, you got a problem with your sales process, not your salespeople. Organizations are always looking for new salespeople, but what they should be looking at is a new, shorter, more customer-friendly, matter-of-fact, information-focused, 21st century sales process. 21st century, 22nd century, 23rd. Dude, this information is going to be around for hundreds of years, okay? So the year is 2414, and you're listening to MP3 on titanium, cloud-based, uh, infiltrate your freaking brain. I don't know how you're going to be delivered that information in the future, but I hope it's me, and I hope I'm current. Organizations are always looking for new salespeople to replace ineffective salespeople. But what you should be looking at first is, is our sales process ineffective? Is our sales process outdated? Is our sales process just pissing people off? Is our sales process asking our people to be somebody they can never be? Most selling programs were designed to satisfy management, not the customer. Most sales processes are designed still today to do, to satisfy what management wants, but in reality, management isn't buying the product that you sell. And in most cases, isn't selling the product. Management, I'm taking a shot at you right now. Dude, you don't even sell it anymore. You're managing the company. So when you start making decisions about the sales process, you need to step out from as a manager that wants to sell more and, and look at it from what's the customer want? What can our people do? An example of an old adage and belief in selling that would no longer apply today, that management is supported, is the longer you spend with the customer, the better chance you have of selling that customer. But look, this is no longer reality. In fact, the longer you spend with the customer today, is this true or not true for you? The longer you spend with your customer today, in fact, the more likely you won't sell them anything and you won't make any money. And if you do sell them something and make money, the more likely they are to not be satisfied. If the process you are using cannot pass the first two hurdles of satisfying customers first and salespeople second, it won't be effective for management. No matter how much management wants it, no matter how much management believes it, it will be resisted. It must pass the first two tests. Does it satisfy a customer? Does it satisfy the salespeople? Does the customer like it? Can the salespeople use it? Does the customer like it? Do the, sale, do the salespeople like it? Because if the salespeople don't like it, they won't do it anyway. It doesn't matter how much I like a 750-pound Harley-Davidson Road King. It doesn't, or it doesn't matter how much I want my daughter to learn how to drive a 750-pound Harley-Davidson Road King. Dude, she can't operate that bike. It don't matter how much I want it. She wants it. She can't operate the bike. You understand? I need to give her, I, I say, baby, I want, you to, I want you to swing this baseball bat, okay? It better be a plastic bat that weighs about three ounces because she's not going to be able to get the other. It doesn't matter how much I want it or she wants it if she can't pick it up. You understand what I'm saying? It doesn't matter how much management, Papa, the CEO, wants something. Dude, will the customer like it? And can my people do it? The point is, it doesn't matter how much you, the owner, upper management wants this or that done in a certain manner, if it doesn't work for the customer and the user, then we can't execute and everyone fails. The litmus test for a great sales process is the question, can we advertise it to the public? If you could just get to that one thing, can we advertise our sales process to the public? What we're going to have our people do with a customer if we can advertise it, I promise you, this is the single best litmus test to figure out what your sales process should be. If you can't advertise, if you can't say yes, yeah, we can advertise it. There's something inherently wrong with your selling process. Look, I've worked with 
sales organizations, salespeople, some of the best in the world, all over the world. And the following is what I believe to be the most succinct, most powerful selling process you can create. While it must be customized, obviously, for your product, your service, the basic format of this sales process, and I've done this with financial institutions, people selling hard products, soft products, insurance companies, the shortest number of steps possible. And take out every piece of fluff you don't need. These are the shortest number of steps in order to simplify the process, remove waste of time, still focus on the most important things you want to accomplish. Many organizations have 10 or 12 steps, eight steps, nine steps, most of which, by the way, are skipped. And many of them are resisted or done half ha- oh, halfway. Here are the most crucial five steps that we can boil this thing down to regardless of what your business is, whether you're a laundromat, a seamstress that does, uh, what do they call those people uh, that fix pants and stuff? Taylor, you're a tailor, laundromat. You sell insurance to State Farm or Allstate. You do financial planning for Morgan Stanley or J.P. Morgan. You sell financial investments on Wall Street. You're selling a piece of real estate for a portfolio for $50 million. Here are the most crucial five steps that you must encounter in every sales situation, whether it's in person, on the phone, or on the internet. You have to greet a customer. Hey, 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 what's up? Thanks for calling. I got to greet a customer. Number two, determine wants and needs. What do you want? What do you need? We'll show you ways to do that. Number three, select a product and build value in that product. Four, make a proposal. And five, close. Now I could drop number one and number five out and tell the customer, Come on in. We're going to find out what you want. Select a product for you that fits that. And we're going to make a proposal. You make the decision after that. The shorter, the tighter you can get this, the better. Step one, the greet. The goal of the greeting is to introduce yourself. Look, I wouldn't even do a greeting if I didn't have to. If I could figure out how not to say hello to people, not build rapport, not get on common ground, not talk to one another. If I could do that and still sell, trust me, I would take out everything I could because I love time. Time is money. The goal of the greeting is to introduce myself, to make a good impression and put the buyer at ease. My goal here is to set the stage for the remaining steps. Say something like welcome. Come up with the same thing and do it every time. Welcome. Great to have you here. Welcome. If they're coming to you, thanks for coming in to see me. If you're going to them, thanks for taking time to see me. In both cases, you should be interested in time right here. In the greeting, time should be on my mind and I should make them aware that I know what's on their mind. If you don't yet have a relationship with your client, you don't want to waste his or her time. You don't want to waste your time, okay, by trying to make some great impression of who we are and what we represent. If you don't yet have a relationship with the client, you don't want to waste his time or your time trying to make a great impression of who you are and what you represent. If you do know the person, you don't want to get caught up in small talk and never get around to business. You understand what I'm saying right now? So you're told to go out there, greet the customer, find out who you are, shoot the BS, you know, talk to him. Get, but yeah, but what if your product doesn't fit him? What if, like, like, like you're spending so much energy trying to get to know the guy, trying to make friends with him, trying to get all friendly, warm, and fuzzy. By the time you get to your presentation, man, the guy's like, dude, I got to, it's lunchtime. I got to go lunch. Okay. All I'm telling you is make sure your greeting's concise and tight. Thanks for taking time for me. I know your time's valuable. I appreciate you seeing me today. If you're cold calling somebody, I apologize for coming in without having a meeting or an appointment. Hey, man, I just want to thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for seeing me. You get it? What we want to do here is open the door, greet, and move the prospect from prospect to buyer. Examples of a greeting. Welcome. Thank you for coming here today. Thanks for seeing me today. What can I get your information on? Tight. Hey, thanks for coming here today. He's coming to me. What can I get your information on? Then transition into the next steps. Hello, thanks for taking time to see me today. I'm giving you examples now. Tell me, what homework have you done thus far regarding what we do here? Appreciate you taking the time. He knew he had a meeting with a banker. Have you done any information on getting a loan on this property already? I get straight to it. If he wants more time, he can breathe time. Let the customer breathe time into this relationship. Great to see you today. Thanks 
for your time. I appreciate it. I know how valuable it is. What information can I provide you with to make the best use of your time today? I just gave you three great greetings. Go back and play this over. Incorporate it into your own personality. Each of these greetings gets, gets, each of these greetings gets to what people want to do. We save rapport building. I'm going to save the rapport building, the buddy making, buddy making, my term made up for rapport building. We're going to save the buddy making for later so that it organically comes up. Look, man, I can, I can build rapport just by telling people, I don't want to waste your time. Not my time. I don't care about wasting my time. I care about their time always. Never my time. I never say, I don't want to waste your time or my time. I hate that line. I hate that line. It kills me. I'm like, you don't want to waste your time. Okay. Dude, why are we talking about your time? Let's talk about my time. You got it? We save rapport building and buddy making for later in the process when and if the buyer elects to do the buddy making. Look, maybe I can close the deal without the buddy making. I'm not there to make friends. When I go home tonight, your eight-year-old walks up and says, Papa, did y'all sell something? Did you, you and Daddy sell something today? They don't say, did you make a friend? If I don't do the buddy making, good, let's sell something. You can always call our office, 800-368-5771, if you want more information on customized, specific greetings that will actually work out scripts for your company. Call our office, 800-368-5771, and we can actually work with your company to build customized greetings for you and your organization. By the way, remember, after you do this short greeting, immediately transition into step two, which is determine wants and needs. Determine wants and needs and why. Look, you can either do this by move, moving into fact-finding, into some kind of consultation stage, qualifying, whatever you call it. But the fastest way to do this is to fact-find on a previous purchase. I don't care what you sell. The fastest way to find out facts about a customer in order to find out what they're going to do next time, let's face it, that's what fact-finding is, is to basically find out what they did last time. Always, this is the case, whether you're trying to get a girlfriend trying to sell a hard product, a soft product, a tangible or an intangible, just find out. You, you, you want to get an investment of $100 or $100 million. The best way to find this out is to go to a previous experience. Human beings repeat behavior over and over and over again. Even when people do a new behavior, it's only because they're trying to avoid an old behavior. The purpose of wants and needs, determining wants and needs, is to, one, know what product to show the client. Which one? Which one fits their needs? Which one satisfies? Which one of these books is best for you? I don't know. Maybe they're not all for you. Maybe you don't need them all. Maybe you don't need, need them all now. I, I just need to find that out. Number two, I need to know what they want and need in order to know how to present the product in a manner that will build value that would cause the person to say, I want to do that. I don't want to just talk about a book, start running off about a book or my contracting company or our financial plan or the stock or the investment. Dude, what do you want? What do you need? Why? Why am I doing that? So I can show them the right product. And then most importantly, so I can know how to pitch that product, present that product, demonstrate that product in a manner that will satisfy their wants, and to such a degree that it would cause them to want to take action and exchange something of value with me. Even things of equal value products are not identical when the motivation for that thing changes. A glass of water on the surface, a bottle of water, would appear to be the same until you discover the reason or motivation someone might want a bottle of water or a glass of water. Different reasons promote different values and urgencies, and those must be determined in step two. That's what we're doing here, determining wants and needs. Why? Hey, why do you want the water? A glass of water just to finish the dinner table? A glass of water? A glass of water just to finish the dinner table? You know what I mean? Bunch of water out there. Most of the time, that water's not even drunk. Okay, a glass of water just to finish the dinner table out has a different connotation, purpose, reason, motivation. A glass of water just to finish the dinner table out is different connotation, different value than a glass of water that we use to wash poison out of someone's eye or one to be used to satisfy the thirst of someone maybe that's dehydrated, right? A different reason, man. One's 
presentation. One is, I need fluid, man. I'm going crazy. Another one is, I got poison in my eye. Get it out of there. You see different motivation, different value, different reason, different money. Furthermore, a glass of water from the local water system holds a different value than bottled water or an alkaline water that's used to reduce the acidity of someone's body chemistry. Okay? This, this, this is probably garbage. It, it's probably a, a little better degree of garbage that comes out of my sink. A little better or worse with sink and filter. And then I get the Kangen water, alkaline water that I use at my house, 9.5, in Nagic that I'm a distributor for, by the way. $4,000 machine, dude. $4,000 machine. You know what? It's not really for me. It's for my kids. I don't want my kids drinking this junk. This has got, it's full of acids. This is actually has more acidic content than this Diet Coke does. They're equal in acidic content. So you're trying to sell me water. Okay, well, you could stop at this $1 bottle or you could say, Grant, let's sell you a $4,000 filter that will not just filter the water, but alkaline the water. You see, my purpose, my reason for drinking alkaline water is not hydration, not poison in my eye, not because I'm thirsty, and not because I need a bottle of water on my table. These are all different things and all the same product or appear to be similar products. Look, at Thanksgiving, the glass and aesthetic value of the presentation of a glass of water with ice in it and crystal is more valuable than the water itself. Okay, do you know that people, you say $4,000 for a filter, dude? Are you nuts? How about the freaking eight grand they spend on crystal that they leave in a cabinet for 11 months and 29 days of the year and only bring it out at Thanksgiving? See? Dude, the water in those glasses was only used to show off the glasses. It's crazy. It's whacked. So look, at Thanksgiving, the glass and aesthetic value of the presentation is more valuable than the water itself until one of the guests is choking on grandma's cornbread dressing. Then all of a sudden, dude, we're bypassing the crystal. I'll break it. Some of you just let her freaking choke to death right there. Let her die. Don't break that crystal. But at that point, that same water increases in value and the glass diminishes. You get it? You understand how everything changed urgently in one second? That's what happens to your buyers. They change that fast. I don't have the money. We can't pay for this. There's no value. And then all of a sudden, bam, I need something. And I spend it. See, people change that quick. That's what most salespeople don't understand. I'm on a budget today. Oop, got a big need now. Budget's gone. Want to fulfill my need. I spend my money. Get it? Why do you want this? Why do you have interest in this product now? Okay? These are questions you want to ask people. Why do you want this product? Why do you have interest now? Great question to ask people. Why did you come here today? What is your current situation? What problem are you trying to solve? These are all ways to find out what people want and need. What do they really want and need? What is important to you in your next purchase? Why? What similar experiences have you had? Have you ever bought a phone before? Have you ever made an investment before? Have you ever, have you ever bought real estate before? Have you ever bought a car before? Have you ever bought... Have you ever had a plumbing contractor here? Have you ever painted a wall before? Have you ever bought a drill before? Have you ever, get it? Really? How'd you like that experience? Did it work for you? Did it not work for you? What did you like most about it? What'd you like least about it? On a scale from one to 10, how would you rate it? What would have made it a 10? See, he's going to tell you exactly. Oh man, I bought a drill once. You know what I didn't like about it was blah, 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 blah. I had to plug it in. Then I, I hated the plug. It never got there. Then I had to get an extension card. Boom, the guy's telling you exactly what to sell him. Would you do it again? Would you make that purchase again? I lost that drill. I left it at my house. I forget, I left it at my buddy's. Then we moved to Texas. Now, would you buy that drill again? Yeah, dude, I love that drill. That drill was perfect. You don't need to sell him your drill, dude. The guy just told you, I love the drill. I'd pay for the drill again. I'd buy it again. Why do the presentation? Go get the drill, take the order, move on. Was it worth the money you paid for it? What, what did you pay for it? How much was that drill when you bought it last? What value would you place on a drill like that? Was it worth more than you paid or less than you paid? What would have made the drill better? These are freaking sick questions I'm giving you, okay? What am I doing right here? Step two, wants and needs. You need to have these tight. You need to stay bright. You need to have them right there at your fingertips. When determining wants and needs, you're not selling. You're not selling anything. You're asking and listening. Because this is done in the early stages of the sales process, understand that you will be using this information to make sense of and close on your proposal later. 
Okay, I'm not just getting data. I'm going to be using this data later to pick out what they want, to understand how do I make sense of it, and how do I use this to justify the right purchase for them so they get the right product and pay the right price. Remember, all purchases, all investments are trying to solve a problem of some sort. There's only one reason anybody buys anything, only one. If you don't know what that is, you're in trouble. That one reason, the one reason anybody buys anything is to solve a problem. You don't buy a drill because you want to drill. You buy a drill because you want a hole. Where do I want the hole? You don't buy a ring because you love your girl. There's got to be some other reasons. It's not just love. Because if it was love, you'd have done it yesterday or last month or last week. You'd already bought her a ring. Why now? Why today? Why did the ring become important now? Step three, select product and present value. Select the product and present it. Select for your clients rather than allowing them to wander, wander, wander through your inventory and select for themselves. Whether your product's tangible or not does not matter. It doesn't matter whether I can see it, touch it, feel it, hold it, grab it. It doesn't matter whether I have it in inventory or not. Whether your product's tangible or not does not matter. Okay? The inventory is either going to be in person or something I can show them. The more you can show me, the better. If you're selling insurance, based on what you found out in the first two steps, the greeting, hey, great to have you here. I want to be conscious and of your time. If you're selling insurance, based on what you found out in the first two steps, you would now be able to select and present a solution and how to benefit how your solution, your product, solves their problem. The same holds true with any other presentation, whether it be a surgery you think you're not selling something when you're telling somebody, hey, man, we're going to cut you open? I like it like that. I'm talking to Robert right now. You don't need to cut this out, by the way, Robert. I want all this kind of organic thing, okay? The same holds true with any presentation, whether it's surgery, a piece of art, car, furniture, no matter the price, a membership in a country club, a gym, whether it's $10,000 or $100,000 or $1,000 or $100,000, a gift for charity, a gift for a friend, or it's simply a glass of water. Look, you should be able to present your product based on what your client told you what was important. See, I'm not altering my personality. I'm altering my presentation based on their wants and needs. There's no reason to show the quality of crystal or the quality of water to a choking man or your grandmother, for that fact. Hey, Grandma, this is some really good water. No, but Grandma, let me tell you how good it is. Dude, just get her some water. If I buy, if I buy a home from you, please show me what I want to see. Mr. Real Estate Agent, Miss Real Estate Agent, please, please show me what I want to see, not what you want to see, not what you think is so good, not what you show every person that looks at this house. Please, I'm begging you. Show me what I want to see. All you have to do is say, would you like to see the inside or the outside first? Would you like to see the bedrooms or the kitchen first? Would you like to see interiors, exteriors? What's most important to you? See, for me, when I buy a house, the most important thing to me is never the house. Hey, I want to see that house. That's what I always say. It's not really the house I want to see. I want to see the view from the house. I'm a view guy. So what does a real estate agent do? Because they don't know what I want, because they don't ask me what I want, okay? Because clearly they're not trained. They're real estate agents, unwilling to be real estate salespeople, professional salespeople. I'm an agent. They show me a house. They show me the kitchen. They show me the bedroom. They show me the living room. They show me the ceilings. Dude, all I want to see is the view. I want to feel. I want to feel. I'm a feel guy. I like feeling the property, man. What's the opportunity here? All you got to do is ask me, man. Well, you want to see inside or outside? I want to see outside. Why is that important? I'm a view freak, dude. I like the view, okay? Look, if I buy a home from you, please show me what I want to see rather than what's in my budget. Please, I'm begging you. There's a guy in L.A. I moved to L.A. I meet this guy at my church. He says, are you going to buy a house here? Hell yeah, I'm going to buy a house. But what's your budget? I tell him my budget. I think I told him it was $2 million budget. He showed me $2 million houses. 
hated them all. And I went and bought an $8 million house that I sold for 18. <laughs> oh, my God. He's like, man, why didn't you call me? Because, dude, you were too busy showing me $2 million houses. You're chasing a budget rather than what I loved, okay? You're chasing a budget rather than what I loved. And the problem I'm trying to solve, the problem I'm trying to solve is not spending $2 million on a house, but having a view to look at at night at the end of the day that can excite me and reinvigorate me. The guy's still upset because he missed a little, little commission, $480,000 commission trying to sell me the wrong product because he never asked me what I wanted and needed because he couldn't keep his steps together because he had too many of them. Look, man, I'm down to three steps now. Okay, find out what I want, why I want it, two, present the product for what I want to need, and number three, make a proposal. By the way, when you show me a home, if you do step two right, please show me the property before you show me the house. Okay, just telling you, just between me and you. When I buy a property, I'm more interested in the grounds than I am the house itself. But if you don't take the time to find out in step two what is important to me, the customer, you'll waste time in every presentation. You're going to spend time showing pieces, probably 90% of your product that you show to a customer or your presentation or your tangible or intangible, or your service, 90% of that a customer, maybe 95% customer doesn't even care about. Customers make a decision on, on this percentage of your product. A little tiny sliver is the only reason they're going to buy your product. By the way, if you saw my show Turnaround King on National Geographic, you saw me going to a gym. Oh, I sold that show to them, by the way. You saw me going to a gym. Gold's Gym, a Gold's Gym up in New Jersey, where they presented their products to me. I said, show me your product, dude. Multi-million dollar facility. Showed it to me. The guy walked around, showed me it to me without knowing. He didn't even know what was important to me. Never asked me, dude, what's important to you? Do you really think I need to see all 155,000 square feet of the gym? Dude, just find out what's important to me. I'd have told him. Had the owner of the company taken the time to collect the right information and then presented his product specifically to what I wanted different from the next person, he would have been more effective. Once he found out that the wet part of the facility was the most important to me, not the weights, not socializing, not picking up a girl there, then he would have spent his time being able to target and my time targeting his demonstration to those exact things that most hit my hot buttons. Man, this is going to be a great program. The fact that I love to swim the fact that I believe swimming in an Olympic pool would trim me out faster than any other workout I could do without causing any damage to my body, solving a problem, would have allowed the presenter, Joe, to target and confine, tighten down his presentation in step three to those things that would create urgency, push value, build value, and would most have improved his chances of making me a new member. Just because your client calls you about your property that you have for sale, or your product, your phone, or your internet social media service, just because a client calls about a property you have listed for an 11,000 square foot home example on five rolling acres doesn't mean he needs to see all 11,000 square feet or all five acres and every single blade of grass, right? In fact, you won't know what to show the client until you ask him. You just don't know. Hey, man, I want to see that house you got listed, that 11,000 square feet, those five acres. I want to see that. Yeah, okay, great, excellent. When you get in front of him, why? Why this house? What's interesting about it? Okay, what's most important to you? The last house you bought, how big was it? Okay, why is 11,000 square feet? Why is five acres important? Find out why. Then in your presentation, focus on those things most important to that buyer. Shorten your demonstration Shorten it. I'm telling you, show less. Laser beam focus your presentation so that you can make your product a must-have now. What are the few things that will make sense of all the other things? What are the few things that will make sense of all the other things? What is the senior or dominant buying motive? What's that thing that will cause your buyer to justify and validate and give money for your product or service. See, the demonstration of your product is where you build value, create urgency, and increase the desire for your buyer to give money for the product you're offering. Cut the demonstration short. Tighten it down. Don't skip. 
cut the demonstration short so you can reduce your chances of making a sale, right? No, no, that's wrong. Cut cut the demonstration short and you only reduce your chances of making a sale, but spend too much time doing the demonstration on things that the buyer doesn't find of value and you not only waste time, but you also reduce your chances of making a sale. This is what people don't know about sales and the change we're making. You know, if you don't do enough of a demonstration, oh, you could miss a sale. If you do too much, you could also miss the sale. So you need to confine it by asking the right questions. Tighten it down. Keep it tight. Number four, step four, make a proposal. When you're done with your presentation demonstration, make a proposal. Always make a proposal. Always, 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 always make a proposal. Even when the people are not ready, make an offer. Even when the people are not prepared to buy, just give them estimates so they can think with it. I don't care what you have to do. Make a proposal, whether they're ready or not ready. I want you to be swinging the bat. Many people suggest not presenting buyers with figures when they're not ready or when the decision makers aren't all there. I'm telling you, you want to increase your sales? I want you to present to everyone, every time, in every situation, whether they can buy or not buy. I believe that if you don't present, you don't swing the bat, hey, can't hit the ball. Wayne Gretzky said, look, I missed every shot I didn't take. I'm not suggesting you make an offer before the presentation. I'm not suggesting you make an offer on on the wrong product. I'm saying, hey, let's tighten those things down, get them right, always make and always, always, always present an offer on your product. I am suggesting that you aggressively do this step, aggressively, of all the steps, Be more aggressive in the presenting of numbers, a proposal, than any other step. Always position position yourself to present a proposal. Our goal when presenting or selling a product is to present to 100% of the people, to get the price and terms with 100% of the people we create to, and to do that within 30 to 40 minutes of contact. I'm showing a house. I'm showing an insurance contract. I'm showing a car Within 30 or 40 minutes of showing the product, I want to be able to present numbers. We recently did a mystery shop of over 1,000 when we wrote the book, Sell to Survive, and we talked about 500. It's actually over 1,000 now. Less than 30% of the people that we mystery shopped walked in and said, hey, show me your product. I'm interested in it. Less than 30%, 37% actually provided the shopper with a proposal. That means that 63% of the time, of the time, that business, that company had zero chance, except for the chance I showed up, of actually closing a deal. By shortening the sales process and insisting on getting to figures, we have taken companies and increased their sales, in some cases, 35% in a 30-day period of time. In some places, we've increased their sales over 100%. We did this recently with a retail group in Boston, whereby we provided online training cloud-based, tablet, phones, computers. They didn't have to travel anywhere. And we provided cloud-based solutions resulting in one-third of a million dollars in gross profits in one month. If you want to take a look at that product, go to CardoneUniversity.com, CardoneUniversity.com, or you can call my office, 800-368-5771. It's a cloud-based, works from a tablet, a phone, or any computer where you can show you can basically teach your people exactly train drill and rehearse your people online with testing built in reporting for management built in so your people can become good at the greeting identifying wants and needs presenting the product presenting a proposal, and closing the deal, which is step five. Step five, close the deal or exit. This is where you're going to find out how much game you really have. You have to check out two things, close the sale app and close your survival guide, book and audio, if you haven't got those, where we train salespeople now to transition from selling to negotiating and closing. Look, first you got to have this mindset to be prepared to close. Closing the transaction is completely different now from the art of selling. We were all born to sell, but you have to learn how to close. By survey, this is one of the areas in which professional salespeople 
not just know they need help, they're demanding help. Like, I need help here, okay? Uh, my app uh, for iPhones and Androids, closed the sale app, it's $4.99, okay? It's a sick little app that you can go online and just download. Look, you're not a barn closer, okay? You're not a barn salesperson. You want to become, and even if you are a barn salesperson and a barn closer, barn golfer, barn skater, okay? Even if you are, you want you don't want to be barn, a baby closer. You want to become a pro ninja master closer for every selling situation, every type of personality type. Look, a great closer needs hundreds of closers. And now that we're going to have you writing everybody, presenting numbers to everybody, aggressively pushing the proposal, you got to become a great closer. A master at the close. Stalls, monies, objections, price objections, budget considerations, better offers, and the likes. All these stalls are only some of what you will hear from your clients. I got a better deal down the street. I got to think about it. I got to talk to my wife. I got a better price from Blojo. I don't want to do it today. I never make a rash decision. Not today. Oh, first place I've been to. Oh, I was just collecting information. I saw something better on the internet. See, all those situations you need solutions to. Becoming a pro at closing the transaction is critical, not just to what it what it takes to get a job done, but also because it will create confidence in your ability to handle objection stalls, problems, and will increase your confidence to want to go into the marketplace and take more calls, make more calls, see more people. Dude, look, all my confidence comes from my ability to close a deal. Makes me want to sell more, talk to more, promote more, market more, fill up my pipeline more. Approach this skill of closing as if you were attempting to get a third-degree black belt. If you're not, if you're not like doing this three, four, five times a week, you're not going to get your black belt, okay? If you're not training, preparing, swimming in the Kool-Aid, learning how to close, you will never, ever, ever, impossible to become a master at the art of selling. A couple of, clay, uh, a couple of crazy closing programs are, uh, I don't like that. This book and audio program, Closer Survival Guide, should be the next thing that you get on when you finish Sell or Be Sold. Closer's book and audio program, or you can get on an MP3 download. Check my website, closerlose.com, or you can go to grantcardone.com. These programs have hundreds. This program has 225 different closes in it for every situation you will face. 